0: This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nugia dean Today is Tuesday, December 7th. Coming up, former Republican presidential nominee Bob Dole has died. He credited his self-deprecating approach to politics to his childhood in Western Kansas.
1: And the first thing you learn on the prairie
2: is the relative size of a man compared to the lay of the land. And under the immense sky where I was born and raised, a man is very small. And if he thinks otherwise, he is wrong.
0: We'll have a look back at Bob Dole's life. Plus, we'll hear a firsthand account of what it's like to be exonerated of a crime you were wrongly imprisoned for. But first, some headlines. White House officials say President Joe Biden plans to visit Kansas City Wednesday. KCUR's Beck shackleford Wangonga reports the president will promote the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill he signed into law on November 15th. A location has not been specified, but the visit will be Biden's first to the metro as president. Mayor Quentin Lucas was at the White House when the bill was signed, and he says Kansas City's ongoing infrastructure projects as well as proposals are a good example of what could be done with the money. Hopefully that puts us at the front of the line in terms of getting good infrastructure resources once the money gets uh, sent around America. According to reporting by the Kansas City Star, Missouri will receive close to $8 billion in funding from the law, and Kansas will receive around $3 billion. The money is slated to address improvements such as bridges, ports, roadways, and broadband internet access. Legendary Negro Leagues player Buck O'Neill was elected to the Baseball National Hall of Fame on Sunday. But Greg Eklund reports for KCUR his chances of getting elected weren't a slam dunk.
2: Raymond Doswell, the curator at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, was on the committee that announced in 2006 the induction of 17 Negro Leaguers but without Buck O'Neill.
0: Having gone through the 06 uh,
3: election, I kind of steeled myself to uh, what the possibilities were.
2: But Doswell was just as excited as everyone else at the museum who found out that Buck O'Neill will be a part of the Class of 22 Hall of Fame. The induction ceremony in Cooperstown, New York will be on July 24th next summer.
0: People all over the country are remembering former U.S. Senator Bob Dole after he died on Sunday at the age of 98. Dole, a prominent Republican leader, was one of the last living national political figures to have fought in World War II. KCUR's Frank Morris took a visit to Dole's hometown.
2: Bob Dole was born here in Russell, Kansas, July 22, 1923. Here at the Historical Society in Russell, about half the displays are devoted to Bob Dole.
0: Yeah, he was a handsome guy, wasn't he? Very handsome.
2: Aldine Banker is showing off a life-sized photo of a strapping teenage Bob Dole. He's a big, muscular kid who played football, basketball, and ran track at the University of Kansas, the first in his family to go to college. But after three semesters, Dole joined the Army to fight in World War II. Lieutenant Dole tried to aid a wounded soldier and was hit by a German machine gun fire. Dole was just 21. He endured three years of surgeries, peppered with life-threatening blood clots and infections. If anybody who has gone through what he's gone through, it would have maybe given up, and he did not do that. He was, his work ethic did not allow him to do that. Back in Russell, Dole tried to strengthen his shattered body working out with homemade weights on pulleys. Townsfolk stuffed donations in a cigar box at the drugstore to help offset his medical bills. I think he was overwhelmed by the support that he got from the city, and he never forgot that. Russell voters sent Dole to the Kansas legislature in 1950. Ten years later, he was in Congress and, in 1968, moved up to the Senate. Then Gerald Ford tapped Dole as his presidential running mate in 1976. Dole's first stop after the convention... Russell, Before, Kansas. If
1: I have done anything, it's because of people I have known up and down Main Street, and I can recall the time when, when I needed help, uh, the people of Russell
2: helped. And I think Dolk broke down on stage. It took 39 seconds to regain his composure. Dole and Ford lost that election, but Bill Lacy, director emeritus of the Dole Institute at the University of Kansas, says Dole emerged a less partisan politician. To kind of divide his career into, you know, maybe two parts, kind of the early career and the leadership career
3: and the the get things done career.
2: Dole worked with liberal Democrats to revitalize the food stamp program. He helped establish Martin Luther King Jr. Day and helped to break a major impasse on Social Security funding. He resigned from the Senate after winning the Republican presidential nomination in 1996, but not before making an emotional speech praising Democratic senators and compromise. And I th- always thought that
1: differences were a healthy thing, and that's why we're also healthy, because we have a lot of differences in this chamber. I've never seen
2: a healthier group in my life. Bill Lacey says Dole was most proud of what he accomplished for people disadvantaged by race, poverty, or physical problems. He became one of the foremost uh, advocates for individuals with disabilities. And you can see the tangible results of that work all across the country. Yeah, no, Bob Dole got this for us. Mike Oxford, a veteran disability rights advocate, navigates downtown Topeka, Kansas in a motorized wheelchair. So we see the grade of this curb cut being very uh, shallow. And we see the the rumble strips for people that are blind or visually impaired. Dole helped win business support for the Americans with Disabilities Act, or ADA. It mandates wheelchair ramps in public buildings, audible streetlights, and many other improvements, freeing more than 50 million Americans to go where they please. That comes right from the ADA. Thank you, Bob Dole, for, for helping get people out of institutions. Thousands, tens of thousands, Dole didn't complain publicly about his own disabilities and always credited his family and his childhood home on the plains for any success. And the first thing you learn on the prairie is the relative size of a man compared to the lay of the land. And under the immense sky where I was born and raised, a man is very small. And if he thinks otherwise, he is wrong. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Frank
0: Morris. Coming up, what it's like to be released from prison after serving years for a crime you didn't commit. I'm Naomi This is Kansas City Today.
3: At UMB Private Wealth Management, a division of UMB Bank, UMB always puts your interests first. UMB's registered advisors are fiduciaries, so that means they are legally and ethically required to only recommend investments that are the best fit for your individual circumstances. UMB provides one-on-one guidance to help you make savvy financial choices on your wealth-building journey. Tap into high-touch financial planning services so you can earn, grow, and create the life you want. Learn more at umb.com wealth management.
0: This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Ricky Kidd and Kevin Strickland's stories are similar. Both were given decades long sentences for murders they didn't commit. Both lost years of their lives to incarceration. And both were exonerated without a penny from the state that wrongly imprisoned them. On KCUR's Up To Date, Kidd told Steve Kraske about the challenges exonerees face when re entering a society that's evolved during their decades of incarceration.
1: Ricky, welcome back. So good to see you again.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: How much of yourself, I can't help but wonder, do you see in Kevin Strickland as he navigates his way back from this long incarceration for crimes he didn't commit?
3: All of it. I I see all of it. I relive all of it. Is that hard? Is that hard for you? I didn't think so at first. The day that he came home, we spent time together. I was there. I was a part of that caravan. We went out to dinner later that evening. I was excited. But over the next two days that followed, I fell into a slump, actually, hmm. uh, because I began to relive everything of the 23-year torture, and I really had to find my way back out of that, which I have.
1: So, Kevin Strickland, it's I'm just trying to think of an analogy of what it's like to step out of prison and then suddenly your life flips and flips and flips again. It must be like a gale force wind in your face the moment you step into freedom in its own weird way.
3: Yeah, it's almost like you move into a speed warp because in prison everything is slow, and for decades it has always been that. And suddenly you're free, and you're back into a society where everything Is moving rapid fast,
1: and people are coming at you, Bing, 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 Bing,
3: Bing, 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 from interviews to family to everything that you have to do. I need driver's license. I need, I mean, all the. I need a birth certificate. Wait a minute. I need to go get my social security first. Wait a minute. I don't know where. Wait a minute. I wasn't born in Missouri. I. It's just everything is so fast, um, and it could really be. uh, It could be a challenge. It is a challenge.
1: So how is he doing?
3: I spoke with Kevin earlier today, um, in the early wee hours of the morning. Prison—that's when you wake up, and so here it was. I was up in my office, and he obviously was up as well. And he called my phone. Uh, Kevin is doing as best as one could try to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I give him, I give him a pat on the back, um, mm-hmm. because I like that he's um, not fumbling as worse. When you're disorienting like that, when you've been knocked around for 43 years by the criminal legal system, you can really come out staggering. Um, And even though you can clearly see that he's been gone a while, um, he's handling his interviews well, he's taking care of his must-dos list, and he's trying to reconnect those pieces and puzzles back to his family.
1: Who's helping him sort of navigate this whole new world?
3: Yeah, that would be the Midwest Innocence Project, Mm -hmm. and they're... Social workers. They have a social worker program uh, designed for exonerees when they come home and to help them walk through those first six, seven, eight weeks. And that's what they've been doing. we all been participating in picking him up, taking him places, dropping him back off and making sure that he's getting to his destination.
1: So this rush, this first whirlwind of activity, this will last for a number of weeks, but at some point it begins to slow down a little bit.
3: It does begin to slow down. Mm-hmm. Uh, after a certain period of time kevin's story has really been all over the world oh for that gosh. matter no okay so his, his, his is it's his it's on rocket boosters and it's on steroids his slowdown may be months away because so many people are interested in his story um but yeah eventually it slows down and reality sets in Depression sets in. Emotional bad days began to set in, as it will with him, as it did with me, and I believe as it has done with every exoneree who's uh, come home after decades in prison.
1: How did you deal with that? How, what was your story there?
3: I, I was in denial. I denied that anything was wrong. That there was, that I was capable of being depressed or. I felt like everybody expected me to do well. And, Ricky, you're resilient, and, man, your story and your your smile. So I, when I started having trouble, I didn't want people to see that I was in trouble. Uh, so I pretended for a while, if we're being honest, that I was okay when really I wasn't.
1: Because people expected you to be happy, happy, happy yeah. because you're a free man yeah. now, and your life is back where it should be, and you've got no reason to be sad about anything.
3: Right. And I was happy. I just wasn't always happy, Mm -hmm. but I noticed that the, that people liked the happy Ricky version better. (laughs) The, he is resilient Uh version better. Um, and so when I was having those tough times, I didn't want to feel burden. I don't want to burden anyone. So I put on my happy face or I'm doing well face. And I really wasn't doing well at all.
1: Yeah. What are some of the issues that Kevin Strickland is up against? You were ticking off this idea of driver's license and social security, but Help me understand. What's 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 on his to do list? What kinds of things is he thinking about?
3: Well, you most certainly are thinking about your uh, state I.D., your birth certificate, your Social Security card, uh, that money that he's been raising. He can't even access that yet. He don't have a bank account. He don't have an ID to get a bank account. So you have to put all of that in order. You have to establish all those type of things. You want to go get your hair done. You want to go get some clothes on your back. You want to go visit certain family members. But wait, have to run off and go do these interviews. And we feel that we have to, not that we really have to, but if the media has been covering your story while you was there, you you just feel that I owe them that, to discontinue coverage now that I'm here. And it is important that the uh, coverage... Uh, continue so that people can be more aware of the issues uh, surrounding wrongful convictions.
1: And in fact, you've traveled the country to spread the word about wrongful convictions. Do you feel like the pendulum is beginning to turn? Are people starting to get it now, Ricky, that this is a big problem out there?
3: The needle is moving in my opinion. The needle is definitely moving. I think people are seeing it. People are starting to get it. I think for many years, decades back, people didn't see it as a problem or see it as true as the voices were crying Mm -hmm. because every guilty man says he's innocent. And then when the innocent man says he's innocent, his voice is drowned out by those who pretend to be guilty. And so uh, I think there was a deaf ear given to it for many years, but people are starting to see, whoa, wait a minute. We really do have a problem. And I'm glad that people are paying attention. I'm glad for cases like Kevin Strickland because he his case reminds us of all the other Kevin Strickland's who's locked away in prisons for crimes they didn't commit.
1: Let's just be clear. Probably a lot of, a lot of people in prison are there for exactly the right reason. But do you have a sense that there was a number of folks that maybe were in the same position that, that you were?
3: Oh, most certainly. And you, that, that's a real good question, my friend, because I talked to Kevin Strickland. I knew Kevin Strickland on the inside. He said he was innocent. I believed him. Lamar Johnson. It's another case on the St. Louis side. I knew Lamar for many years in prison. We were cellmates for many years in prison. He said he was innocent. I believed him. Michael Polite, another case that the Midwest Innocence Project has represented. We was in a dog program together. He said he was innocent. And so, yeah, I feel that I know about six Comfortably, who I can say is really innocent. And then maybe another half a dozen to a dozen uh who may deserve a second look. But the trick
1: here is that a lot of people in prison say they're innocent, right? That's nothing unusual. Correct. Lots of people think they've been screwed by the system. And, and you hear that every day when you're yeah. in prison, don't you?
3: Yeah, and it's frustrating, to be honest. I'm not a fan or a supporter of that at all. I wasn't then, and I am not now. Because it really drowns out the voices of those who is crying uh, a genuine cry of help and who are really innocent.
0: That was Ricky Kidd speaking to KCUR's Steve Kraske. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Ujia-Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Lisa Rodriguez. To read our coverage of Bob Dole and Kevin Strickland, visit KCUR.org, where you can find more stories from Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, or call 816-235-8930 to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts. Tomorrow, we'll ask why year after year, Kansas City is losing public school students. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.